The In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast has been sponsored by Allergan and AbbVie Company. The presenters are paid consultants. Hello, everyone. This is April Jasper, optometrist and chief optometric editor of Optometric Management Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series. Today, I'm excited to have with me on this podcast, ophthalmologist and surgeon and good friend, Dr. David Goldman of Goldman Eye in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Goldman. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So as we get started, Dr. Goldman, I would love for you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your practice and uh, help them to kind of get a little more familiar with you. Sure. So I practice, you know, right down the road from you in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Uh, I started out my training at Baskin Palmer, ophthalmology followed by a cornea fellowship, and then faculty for about six years before going out on my own into private practice. And over the years, my practice has kind of emerged and, and morphed into sort of an anterior segment reconstruction, uh, cornea, cataract, uh, LASIK, uh, refractive surgery sort of practice. Uh, and today's topic is, is very appropriate as a lot of what we're doing in practice today is presbyopia correction. So I thought that you would be perfect for this because number one, you take great care of my patients, but also because of exactly what you said, this is a big focus for your practice as well. So what I wanna kind of talk about today in the podcast is game-changing treatments for presbyopia and we wanna talk about the ones that may be available now and in the pipeline. And again, we're gonna to try to, it's a big topic, lots to talk about, but let's get started by, you know, there's much happening in the world of presbyopia. What are your overall thoughts about this category? You know, it's interesting because a few years back, there was a big push to go back to glasses. Glasses were becoming much more in vogue um, we saw patients coming in and they, they did not or were not really interested in multifocal or even toric lenses to correct their astigmatism. They actually liked wearing glasses. They're courting their glasses with their fashion. And, uh, and over the last couple of years, especially with COVID, uh, I don't know if people are getting sick of putting their glasses on at home or what may be, but people have definitely uh, changed gears now and we're seeing a very large uh, proportion of patients coming in wanting to get uh, spectacle independence and to the point where uh, being presbyopia, presbyopic is almost unacceptable to patients. You know, people are definitely trying to fight the aging process, whether it's Botox or fillers and other procedures and, and ophthalmology and optometry are no exceptions to the rule. When it comes to vision, patients more and more now are becoming more eager to get out of their uh, glasses, particularly for reading. Absolutely. And and we talked a little bit in past episodes about the fact that the emetropes sometimes can be the most challenging. But one of the things I didn't know, and from what I've seen of the data, is the estimate is that there's a good 50% of emetropes that don't even or never have come in for eye exams. And so now they come in and they're expecting you and me to fix this problem, and they think that it's just an easy fix. Is that the experience sometimes that you have as well? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we, we try to adjust their expectations to, to manage them appropriately. Obviously, there's a lot of options out there now and a lot more coming through the pipeline. So we educate the patients first of, of what their options are and, and what could be their options if they wait and the advantages and disadvantages of the different technologies. Um, 
at the end of the day, I would say we're pretty successful in, in getting the majority of our patients to a point where they're happy, but they need to understand that at the end of the day, the vision is not going to be like it was when they're 18, and oftentimes the amitropes are the hardest to convince of this. So do you see this movement in this category really as game-changing, as, as, as the title says, and if so, why? Well, all of these... Um, trends can certainly change. So certainly as the pandemic winds down and people go out again, if the glasses become more in vogue and patients want more of the fashion statements with different pairs of glasses, we may see less push from for patients to go into uh, presbyopia correction or refractive correction. Uh, but that being said, I do think that the overwhelming trend we're seeing is that patients want to be out of their glasses more than not. They want to be able to work on their computers without having to take their glasses on and off, particularly now with the pandemic and the mask wearing and the glasses come fogging up. We've seen a lot of patients wanting right. uh, spectral correction just because they can't deal with their glasses with the mask anymore. Um, and even when the masks do go away, I think we're still going to see patients continuing to, um, to want these therapies. And the advantage of that is that that's really driving the innovation from our industry partners to create, whether it's pharmaceutical or surgical, uh, more products available to, uh, to help these patients. Right. As you said, and I think that was the, you know, the perfect thing and just what I'm experiencing too, all of us when we hit, and I'm not going to say you are because I know you're not as old as me, but all of us when we hit that point of presbyopia, we still want to look and feel young. And so we want options that help us to get there. So we're at the point now where it's time to talk about the emerging treatments. So let's do it. What are some of the emerging treatments now and then those that are in the pipeline? Sure. So obviously, you know, I know it's been spoken about in previous podcasts about contact lens uh, corrections for presbyopia with the multifocal lenses and monovision and the other technologies in the contact lens space. Um, otherwise, there's drops coming out, and most of them focus on uh, reducing the size of the pupil. They're meiotic, and by decreasing the pupillary aperture, we're increasing depth of focus. And the data from all of the different products show that you do get a significant improvement in range of uncorrected vision when using these drops, and typically in just one eye. Uh, one of them has already been approved, but there's more in clinical trials that should be approved shortly. And typically, these drops have either a pilocarpine or carbacol base to them to allow that constriction of the pupil. Uh, aside from that, there's obviously corneal inlays that have kind of had their moment. Um, you know, most of them have been recalled, so we're not seeing as much of that. And I think as those meiotic drops become more available, the idea of a corneal inlay is going to become less exciting to most physicians. Uh, then, obviously, we have the surgical uh, intervention. So we have uh, multifocal lenses. We have extended depth of focal intraocular lenses. Uh, we also have combination products now that are part EDOF and part multifocal. Um, we have trifocal, bifocal. We also have... Um, uh, spherical aberration profiles on intraocular lenses that give a slightly larger extended depth of focus. And then, of course, we have light-adjustable uh, lens technologies as well that can also uh, be programmed to develop a little more extended range of vision as well. Just the number of options that are out there, I think, help us to see that it is a category that people care about. Otherwise, industry wouldn't be putting the money into it, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And, and when we present all of these options to the patients and they get sort of a, a glazed look on their face and they're confused about it, you know, I immediately say to them, 
the reason there's so many choices out there is because none of them are perfect. If there was a perfect one, we wouldn't have all these options. So you need to keep that in mind when we talk to you about this, that there is no perfect, but we'll work together and find what's best for you. I mean, for me right now, the big struggle is my kids throw their homework in my face and I have to pull it a foot or two away from my eye in order to be able to see it. So the struggle is real and, and I'm starting to come into it now. Um, and while I'm in a slight state of denial, I know my days are very, very numbered. So I too am looking at these uh, emerging treatments, not just for my patients, but for myself as well. I love it because I don't wanna be alone in this problem, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Moment of truth. What are you most excited about in this area of presbyopia development treatments, treatment developments, I should say? Sure. So, so for me, what I've been most excited about is the evolution of intraocular lens technology. We've gotten to a point now where we can achieve almost complete spectacle independence. Again, it's not 18-year-old vision, but it's a pretty large range of vision with a very low side effect profile. And if we look at the intraocular lenses over the past decade, the evolution of the technology has been so drastic. Uh, I mean, each it's not just baby steps. We're taking these large steps between each intraocular lens model that I do feel that in the next decade, we should have a truly uh, accommodative extended depth of, of focus type lens that will really give a full range of vision with, with minimal side effect profile. And, and I think we're, we're close to it, and I think once we get there, we're going to see a lot more additionally in the way of refractive lens exchange um, and other uh, procedures to really get people out of glasses uh, for the majority of their work. Wow. It's incredible to think how far things have come in just the last 20 years. So, Dr. Goldman, we talked a little bit about your practice in Palm Beach Gardens. Um, I've told the listeners it's a fabulous practice. You know, I think that uh, your team does a great job there. Tell me how you're preparing for this category, meaning I say preparing because there's some things that we don't have yet, like what you mentioned, but obviously we have options currently. So walk me through all of that, kind of uh, how you talk to patients about presbyopia, how you talk to them about things in the pipeline and things that are coming soon. Well, I think number one, it starts with the technology and the practice. So I think having your practice outfitted with technology that helps on all fronts. So for example, in our practice, we have digital wall boards for patient education. We're able to visually show them because not all patients learn uh, from auditory cues. They're better with visual cues. So by showing them videos that both have audio and video, they can really understand what is presbyopia, what is a cataract, what is myopia, hyperopia, astigmatism, et cetera, and we can educate them fully. And not only that, but we can educate them without necessarily even having to be in the room. We can put the video on a loop, go to see another patient, and the patient can watch the video. We'll come back in five minutes, and now they have a true understanding of what we're talking about. So then we can talk about potential uh, treatment options. Um, and then to integrate those treatment options into the practice, you know, some of these treatments are going to require prescribing licenses if you want to dispense them out of the office. So those are things that you can apply for now so you're ready to order them when they become available. There's also in our office, you know, surgical interventions. And so while we do LASIK and, and surface ablation techniques in the office, there's definitely a move within ophthalmology for in-office surgical suites for things such as refractive lens exchange surgery and even cataract surgery. And so I think that's going to play a bigger and bigger role as well. And so well, we're looking at the footprint of our different rooms and everything. We're already starting to think, okay, when we go to in-office refractive lens exchange, where are we going to put this equipment? Where are we going to prep? 
Um, and so we're already starting to re-engineer some of the offices in the room to be able to accommodate that when the technology is available because um, not that we want to necessarily be the first person on the block offering these treatments, but we definitely want to be leading uh, the front when it comes to the new technologies. And we want to keep that reputation in the community that we're on the forefront of technology. Absolutely. And I can confirm that you definitely have that reputation. And so, you know, I think most of us would want that. Most of us would want to have that reputation. And so as we learn from someone like you, Dr. Goldman, I think it's fabulous to see and hear what you all are doing to kind of stay ahead. So, you know, on that note, even if a doctor wasn't necessarily having those conversations or didn't know about all the treatments, part of what we're doing in this podcast is to help bring that awareness to everybody. But let's turn it in a little bit different direction and, and talk about what do, what do you think patients expect from us, from their eye care providers in this category? Well, I think first and foremost, the patients want education. You know, they're concerned, they're worried. I can't read the book. Do I have macular degeneration? Do I have glaucoma? Some patients are completely unaware uh, about presbyopia. Other patients understand that they go to the CVS or Walgreens, pick up a pair of readers, and they never come for an eye exam. Uh, but for those patients that come in, education is really the number one thing. And then, again, going hand-in-hand hand with that is, is that technology and, and knowledge of what's available. And I definitely have had multiple instances where patients will come to me for a second opinion, and at the end of the day, they were upset because they weren't told about a particular option, whether it's a contact lens, whether it's a multifocal intraocular lens, whether it's a light adjustable lens, whatever that technology may be, it's likely that the doctor that they saw doesn't offer that treatment and so it just wasn't even brought up. But when it's not brought up and the patient goes elsewhere and then all of a sudden they learn that they weren't informed of all the options, now they feel like, oh, well, that other doctor either doesn't know, they're not up on technology or they're not uh, as good as the other doctor. And, and, and that's unfortunately one of the ways that patients will tell people to come to us is, oh, you know, they do everything, they know everything that's out there. And, and re reiterate that, you know, everyone's pretty much going to their optometric and ophthalmic society meetings and they're staying aware of what's out there. There's very few doctors that really don't try to stay on top of the latest and greatest that's out there. Because at the end of the day, we all want to do what's best for our patients. Uh, but at the same time, you know, some of us are a little more gun-shy to start some of these new therapies, and I think that's perfectly fine. It's absolutely reasonable to be conservative, uh, but at the same time, we should always be aware and inform our patients of what the options are so that they know all the choices that are available to them. Very well said. I love that. And, you know, with social media and with all the ways that people communicate now, it's not like they even have to wait to go to a bridge game to talk to each other about presbyopia. They're going to be talking about it while, probably while they're still sitting in your practice. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's amazing to me how some of the patients have found us. You know, they'll say, oh, I saw this article or this video that I have no clue about that somehow found it somewhere in some social media platform and uh, brought more people uh, to the practice. So it just goes to show you have to be really careful what you put out there these days and, uh, and to make sure you're aware of your social media presence. Um, and again, to that, to that extent, we have patients coming in now that ask for certain technology and they may or may not be the right candidate for that technology, uh, but they're going out on their own now, especially with this targeted um, advertising and all the social media platforms. You know, you'll talk to, I do think that my phone is listening to me at all times because I'll mention something, you know, maybe a piece of furniture or something to my wife, and the next thing I know, I'm on Facebook and I'm getting ads for office chairs. 
so there's definitely an element to that, and I'm sure it carries over into eye care as well, that patients will get, you know, an advertisement for a particular presbyopia drop or lens or contact lens. Um, that's all coming, and so we can expect more and more of the patients will come in uh, focused rather than saying, I don't know what's going on. They'll say, oh, yeah, I have presbyopia. I read about X drop. Can I have this drop? And it's going to be a lot more focused conversation because the younger patients especially are, are coming in much more informed than what we've seen in the past. Absolutely. Wow, this has been fabulous. Dr. Goldman, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Dr. Goldman, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much to our listeners for joining today's podcast. We hope you'll tune in again for future episodes of the In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series.